it was totally possible it would be a, an abysmal failure, right? And that that was exciting to me. <laughs> the possibility that this could just Lots blow of... up in flames um, made it worthwhile. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. I, I got to tell you, I am... Um, I'm excited about today's guest. I've been talking to him and, and, and working to try to get him on the show. His, uh, I mean, he is so crazy busy and so popular that, that we, are, we are excited that he finally found some time. We have, I think it's safe to say in the HubSpot community, and I, and I like everybody involved in, in HubSpot Academy. I think they do a great job. But I think that the legend of HubSpot Academy legitimately is our guest today. Kyle Jepson, say hi to everybody. Hello. Perfect. That's, that's exactly, there, there we go. That is the, uh, the personality and style that we were looking for. <laughs> How are you today, Kyle? I'm doing good. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm uh, excited to be talking with you. I just do what I'm told, Doug. You say hello. Tell me to say hello. I say hello. And, uh, now we've got a podcast. That's a wrap. All right. I know you better than that. I know you better than that. So, so Kyle, for, um, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, why don't you just kind of let everybody know a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, and how you ended up doing what you're doing. Sure. So I, I work at HubSpot Academy. Uh, I create free online courses. Uh, anything sales related coming out of HubSpot Academy, I own. Uh, I probably uh, performed it. If I didn't, I probably wrote it or, or at least ghost wrote it. Um, everything sales falls to me, uh, which is odd you asked how i got in here uh, it's it's not you said i either wrote it or i ghost wrote it that just struck me as very funny <laughs> yeah so occasionally like, dark secrets occasionally you'll see uh mark roberge or other notable people saying things that uh, i'm sorry I, me. I i i took it the <laughs> other way i thought like you either wrote it or you had someone write it for you that oh you no, no, no 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 I I, now i understand not. now it makes sense i am now the ghost writer right i got <laughs> it the author. the face yeah gotcha gotcha uh but yeah uh now that now that you've done the choking on your drink thing that i promised i wouldn't do um the question was how, how did i get here so um it's it's not any great sales experience on, on my end. I did have a sales job. My first job out of college, I was in sales. Uh, it was terrible. It was the most iconically bad sales situation that I now actively preach against that you can imagine. Uh, I was cold calling a scraped list of names came from the internet. Um, I was supposed to be selling a software to apartment complexes. Sometimes I was calling people who merely lived in apartment complexes. Um, it, was, it was bad. Um, I burned out pretty quickly. I did not last very long. I was there about six months, but it was a, it was a great company I was at and I got lots of experience in, in customer support. I founded their, their, I was a founding member, I should say of their tech support. Uh, and then when I moved to Boston and I took a job at HubSpot that naturally lent myself to joining their technical support team. And HubSpot has just, had just at that time launched this crazy new thing, HubSpot CRM. And it had its own dedicated support team, its own dedicated development team, its own dedicated sales team. I was in that group uh, on the support team. And when the two business entities, HubSpot CRM and the traditional HubSpot merged, uh, Brian Halligan, our CEO said, hey, HubSpot Academy has been doing cool stuff. We need to start doing that. We need a course to teach people how to use HubSpot CRM. Uh, nobody at HubSpot knew how to use HubSpot CRM except the people on my team. 
And so I volunteered for that position and I, I made the course that is now called the HubSpot Sales Software Certification, teaching people how to use HubSpot CRM. And then naturally fell to me to, to teach the other sales tools as well. And from there, I started branching out into sales best practices and tactics and things. I consider myself primarily a sales researcher. Um, I, I talk to people who are good at their jobs, who are succeeding, who are at companies that are doing well and figure out what they're doing and then find ways to help other people replicate that success. Interesting. So, uh, Kyle, I, I did not have insight into that background, which is awesome. Um, you, you've kind of lived it, breathed it, uh, you know, made the jump to, or, you know, started the career in the, in the dark side of sales. One question I got for you that, that I, I would just love to know or, or just get your thoughts on. You said it was kind of like a terrible environment, not, not a terrible environment, but, a, but a, a really hard situation from a sales perspective. The dark um, side of sales is what he yes, said. The, <laughs> right, the, the dark side of sales. But my question for you is, and, and I know that that's the way sales, we're trying to shift sales away from that kind of true like boiler room, boiler room mentality. However, what I can say is the most successful people that I have ever met have spent at least a little bit of time in those types of situations because it makes them comfortable. It makes them learn how, or more comfortable. It learns that it, it teaches them how to, you know, be better thinkers on their feet other than, Hey, you just hand me warm leads all day long and I'm just going to go close. Um, so I, I, I just love to get a little bit more insight on that. Cause again, I, I, I did not know that was your background. So, yeah. So before you start, what Mike is trying to say is that too many salespeople today are wimps. <laughs> uh, so it's an interesting thing. Um, I, I agree with you. I, uh, I, have, I have always loved, I shouldn't say I always love, as a professional, I love my coworkers who are salespeople. Um, they are sharp, they are passionate, they are driven. Um, they, they tend to have this apparently inexhaustible energy. When they're burned out, they hide it well. Um, and I admire a lot the, the sorts of things that salespeople are able to do. Um, you know, certainly here at HubSpot, we've seen people who have joined the company in sales and have gone off to, you know, develop products or, or manage business units. And, and they're great. They're, they're powerful leaders. Uh, and, and there's a lot to be said for that. I, I would call into question uh, I mean, not to start throwing around trite expressions, but correlation versus causation here. Um, just because I think the sort of person, especially if you are in a true, like, like the, the intense sort of sales team that people make movies about, right? If you're in that kind of situation and you can survive and thrive, you must be a strong person inherently, right? Uh, you, you must have some, some get it done sort of attitude built into your DNA. Um, whereas uh, nice people like me uh, burn out and leave, <laughs> right? Um, and so um, I, don't, I don't know that being on a sales team like that is necessarily an important part of someone's development. I don't know that it couldn't be gotten other ways, but I definitely agree with you that, that um, there are plenty of good folks that come out of that background. So <clears throat> that'll be a fun place to go into because um, if we can't stir up a little bit of controversy, then what's the point of doing the show? Um, and you know me, Kyle, I'm, I'm usually uncomfortable going out on a limb and, and saying these, these things. Yes. Um, so I actually completely disagree with what you said about salespeople. Um, I think that, that salespeople in the beginning, one, one, of the key, one of the key strains of DNA 
certainly about what we think of as the traditional salesperson. Um, they're not, at, and, and there's been a lot of studies in, in this area that, that um, I could reference over time, but they're actually not high confident, high self-image people. Actually, most salespeople are low self-image. Um, right, and, and there's, and, and like, I, I also didn't say that they're extroverts, right? That's another trap people fall well, into. Correct, but so, so the thing that's really interesting is, um, it, 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 by the way, is one of the reasons why as salespeople become more and move up in a, you know, from a professional level and um, they begin to balance a little bit more and things like that, they, like, it's, I can make calls. I don't make calls like I made calls in the past. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was at Merrill Lynch where I started at eight o'clock in the morning, and I eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And I made 300 dials a day, right? People are talking about, I made 80 dials today. And I'm like, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> But, and, and by the way, I, I, I can freely admit that, that this, is, this is actually a really interesting description to me. You, you'll find that salespeople are the number one buyers of, of self-help, of motivation, mo motivational tapes, of, you know, all those things go into it. And the, the, the ego gratification that you get when someone says, yes, I'll talk to you or when someone signs a contract is so massive to the self-image that you're willing to put up with the, the dark side of sales. You're willing to make those calls. You're willing to get hung up on. You're willing to get rejected. You're willing to do these things. Um, you, know, you, you, you would think someone that would put up with that level of rejection must have a lot of confidence in themselves to do that. And, and someone who, you know, so I'm a nice person so I can't, you know, it, it's actually kind of funny. It's actually kind of funny because it gets into, it gets into something that's beginning to merge out um, that, that, that we're dealing with in sales. Um, they have this inexhaustible energy or they hide it well. Yeah, they, they do hide it well. You know where they hide it? They hide it with like just like massive things. I mean, they're, they're, they're wonderful prospects for, ther for therapists when they get into their <laughs> late 30s and 40s. Sure. Um, you know, and, and you go back to the old days. I mean, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, right? Jordan Jordan Belfort, yeah, right. How, how did he hide it? Well, he hid it with uh, quaaludes and other, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and other various paraphernalia. So, so, so it's really and and you know, as a parent, and as I'm, you know, and and I think about raising my kids. It, it really, I'm going to turn this into a question for you, because because you are at the forefront of of trying to influence the change in sales. That that if our fairy godmother could come around, and I don't mean to diminish what you do. But if our fairy godmother could come around and, and wave a magic wand and have the world work the way that it should work, that would be ha how it would sell. Um, there, there is this interesting gap between what Mike is saying. Like, it, it's not that you succeeded at it. It's that you did. Yes, that's exactly that, that is exactly what I'm referring and, to. And you yeah. survived it. Right. And, and so yeah. you now understand it and, and, and you learn things from there. And, and, and so there, there is candidly a wimpiness in a lot of sales today. Um, cause, cause we're right when we say you should not close. Closing is bad. You should not, you should not make something like, you know, people don't want to be sold. They want to buy. Well, yeah, that's true. But what they really hate is making decisions. Actually we're biologically <laughs> opposed to making decisions. So, yeah. um, if, if you can't bring that command, so, so how do you balance the, the, the nuance of being respectful of being, you know, inbounding, with, with the aspect of we're trying to get somebody to do something 
that they wouldn't do if we were doing what what we're doing. Because if they would do it anyways, then like we don't really need salespeople for that. So so how do you balance that? Or did I make no sense at all? I think I followed you. Mike, were you going to jump in and say something? I mean, the only, one of the things that I was also going to add um, to, to Doug's comments is you, you also made a very, like, one of the things that you said really stuck out to me, which was you have a sincere appreciation for your counterparts in sales. I am going to venture to guess that you probably would not have that same sincere appreciation for salespeople if you had not done. If I hadn't been there. That's 100% true. Yes. Um, and, and the reason, I, I mean, I, I sort of stumbled over myself there. I said, I always like salespeople. Like, no, before I had a sales job, I hated salespeople, like <laughs> universally, right? Um, you have to be there to understand it. Um, Doug, you said a lot of words. I'll try to tackle some of them. Uh, one, one thing, uh, this will feel tangential, but I promise I'll bring it back. So I, uh, on LinkedIn, um, I'm connected primarily to people who are somehow related to sales, right? And so my feed on LinkedIn is always someone like, here's this sales technique I use. What do you think? You're like, here's, here's a teaser. Like, send me a private message if you want the full like playbook or whatever. Um, and so I see all sorts of interesting things out there. And one that really stood out to me, I saw several months ago that I can't now remember the details of. I don't, I don't remember what the situation was, if it was new hires or, or some sort of educational, but there's this guy who has the people he teaches how to do sales um, call, I believe just random people and try to sell them a, a pizza from a local delivery place, right? Like um, not actually affiliated with the pizza shop, just call them up, try to convince them to, to order pizza and then orders the pizza for them and sends it. Um, just because- I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> just because um, it's hard and it feels pointless, right? And, and it's this grind that he has them do. He gives them some sort of quota. You have to sell this many pizzas before you're done with this uh, exercise. And the whole point is to build kind of this resilience, uh, this, this determination, uh, this, this don't give it up sort of muscle, right? Um, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? The thing that's so interesting to me is like, so with that on one hand, and then there's a, a guy, I forget his name. He spoke at Inbound recently. I see his stuff online sometime. Uh, the hundred rejections or thousand rejections, like his whole, he just set a goal one year to get as many rejections as possible doing various things just out in public um, so that he could become bulletproof and like rejection no longer hurts him, right? Because he's faced it so many times. And like, I think, I think there's a lot to be said for the place these kinds of people are coming from. Uh, to your point, Doug, about salespeople being wimpy, it's not just salespeople, right? Like we, <laughs> I, as a millennial, would love to be just wrapped in cotton gauze and never feel anything painful, right? That's, that's, that's the sort of world, uh, the sort of generation where we're raising here in, in, in the United States and in much of the industrialized world. Like, we don't have to feel hungry. We don't have to feel tired. We don't have to, we don't want to feel stressed. We don't want to make decisions. We don't, we don't want to do anything, right? And I think we need activities and, and exercises and careers, especially early on in people's careers, that will, uh, that will force them out of that. We'll, we'll make people comfortable with being uncomfortable. We'll, we'll let them, you know, sit in, in dissatisfaction and rejection and, and, and pain and be able to rise above that and, and overcome. Um, I think that is needed. Um, but to say that we should continue to run sales organizations in suboptimal ways so that we can give this experience to people, I think is, is somewhat misguided. And I think it becomes, 
go ahead. No, keep going. Finish. Finish your thought. I think it becomes self-feeding, right? Because this is the way we do sales and because there are these certain advantages to it and because it fosters a certain kind of person and then attracts that sort of person that we can continue to run things. And it actually becomes very hard to change a sales organization, right? I, I read a book recently, um, The Machine. I forget the guy who wrote it. Uh, one of his controversial claims is that salespeople should be salaried, right? We should get rid of uh, the, the standard sales compensation model. And people freak out, right? Like, how can we keep them motivated? How can they possibly do their jobs? The counter argument is like, like every other professional, right? Like everybody else manages to motivate themselves to do work while being salaried. But we have this idea that like, if we change some of these fundamental assumptions that are based so much on the sort of person we've been fostering in sales and the sort of sales organization we've been running for so long, everything will break and our companies will no longer be profitable. And like, I'm not saying that's true or false, right? Like I could totally imagine that uh, some profitability, some, some uh, motivation and productivity would be lost if you salaried your sales team instead of putting them on a, a you know. So I, I have issues with the machine. Uh, um, I, have a, I have lengthy issues with the machine. That's the, idea of, the idea of salarying um, sales reps is actually not one of them. Um, Mike, I'm curious though, what do you think of the technique, those, those two little, the, the hundred rejection, I'm sorry, the thousand rejection bulletproof in the cell 10 pizzas that don't exist. <laughs> or what something his pencil. Well, he's, I mean, he, that, that, that's a, uh, I mean, you know, what, what do you think of those two? What do you think? I think I know what you're going to say based upon how you responded there. What do you think of that? Um, tell me how I was going to respond. I, well, <laughs> I, I think you don't like it. I think, you know, I mean, you know, you said some of this pencil, which, um, I know you well enough to know that that you know that that has the derogatory old school stupid. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I think to be a smart ass. I think that's crap. I, I think that I think that technique is crap. And by the way, I used to say, Agreed. look, if you want to say no to like I, I used to say the same thing. I've been rejected so many times it doesn't mean anything. As a matter of fact, if you want to say no to me, I, I, my, my superpowers when I'm trying to start a conversation, I have the attitude. If you want to say no to me, you can't say no to me. There's like a line of ten thousand people waiting to say no to me. Saying no to me is nothing <laughs> unique. If you want to be unique, you're the one who's going to say yes. There's no line there, right? So you don't have to wait. Right? That's how I feel, right? And, and here's what that was. I mean, I said that so many times, I almost believed it, right? But, but uh, guy, Kyle, I can, I, Kyle, and, and I, can, I can attest to what, what Doug's saying. There have been certain situations where it's Friday night, Doug and I are on the phone, and it's like, motherfucker, like it, it, this person said no to me. <laughs> and they rejected me and it's like ruins our weekends and you know has has all kinds of downstream effects even though i'm i, I had definitely not gotten as many notes as doug not only because i'm not his age but two that was supposed to be a joke um two well, no, I'm, uh, I'm worried about like you're trying to try to go somewhere else like because i'm better right, than him which means right, well i was gonna say but i figured i'd let you say it so there you go um so yeah, I, I, I forget they say, like, I, I, it's funny. I don't, I don't get mad. It doesn't destroy my weekend when they say no to me as much because I feel rejected. It's because I, like, I hate to lose that. It's like, what did I, yeah. you know? But, but when I make initial calls and they don't talk to me, I don't like it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> it never immune. goes away. I, I'm, I'm not immune from it. And I, and I intellectually know that the fact that this person didn't want to talk to me doesn't mean anything. Right. Like I get all that. I know it, but I still don't like it. And, and I think, you know, I wish someone would have told me it's okay not to like it. You're not, 
Like, you're not supposed to like it. Um, now, you can't get, you can't get through it with, like, it's something you got to learn how to deal with, right? You know, it, I, I went to the Tom Hopkins school that, it, you know, if, if you close one in 20 and it's worth $100, so when someone says yes, it's worth $100, and you've got to talk to 20 people, you know, your mistake is you think the yes is worth $100 and the no is worth $5. And, and the way you need to look at it is every, every yes or no is worth $5. So the next time someone says no, just say, thank you for my $5. <laughs> and that's crap because a no's not worth the same as a yes. <laughs> and we all know that. Yeah. Right? right. Like what I would say is, you know, if you want $100, like the no's the cost to get $100, right? Yeah. Like you know how you have to go to work and, you know, see, see that guy out there who's carrying steel rebar so that he can you know, so he can get paid. Well, that's his cost. Your cost is someone has to say no to you. And yeah, as a matter of fact, what you should be doing, figuring out how can you get more yeses with fewer no's, right? Like that's a good thing to think about, right? So, so there's that. Then like my, like my problem with sales today is you're in one of two camps. You're in this new school, um, the buyer's in charge and, and, you know, you got to respect and, and this, or you're in the sell 10 pizzas that don't exist, <laughs> except here's the problem with 10 pizzas that don't exist. I then get on a phone call with, with, a, with a prospect and I lie to him. Yeah. And then I go, why'd you lie? And I think, well, I sold fucking pizzas that didn't exist to people. <laughs> There's somebody looking out there to say, where's my damn pizza? Right. And so like, there's this arbitrary component to it. Um, and we, like we treat sales like it's um, like we're Chromax. Like, like it's this, it's this group. Did you ever see um, the, the movie? Um, oh my God. I can't believe I'm going, I'm going blank. It's uh, Steve Martin. Um, they were con men, the English actor. Oh, oh, my God. Dirty, oh, oh. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yes. Yes. Right. We treat, we treat salespeople like, like when he was the, you know, the messed up nephew who was, was kept in the cage, Rupert, yeah. right? We, we treat him like the Rupert and, and, and we let him out every now and then to, you know, you know, we, we kind of had this game. It, instead of realizing that, you know what, you know, sales is a profession. Um, there, there are unique aspects to sales. It, you know, it, it's an engineered process, like every other process is engineered. Um, and, and I think, frankly, we got a lot of people in charge of it. Um, you know, you, you're right. Mike was not successful because he made cold calls. He learned a lot of things while he was making cold calls, but you know, no one's sitting down to say, well, what were the key things that were learned? What are the different ways to learn it so that we're applying that right thing? Does that make any sense or am I just ranting about? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I don't have, I don't, I don't have anything to add to it, but it makes sense. So, I mean, isn't some of your mission to kind of teach that teach yeah for sure so i i, I like how to do you do that <laughs> that's a great question um and uh and it's sort of an open question i am i'm always figuring out how do you do that um <clears throat> i can share with you a couple of things i've learned along the way uh so there are lots of interesting constraints when you decide you're gonna try to change the way the world sells things right um so uh, most of my content at this point, uh, you'll see this slowly changing over the course of the next couple of years, but most of the content I've created to date uh, is, is targeted at individual sales reps, right? Either you're using this HubSpot tool, let me tell you how to use it in your daily work, 
or you're a salesperson, let me tell you how sales works in the modern world. Um, what I've learned is salespeople do not take online training unless their boss requires them to. Um, I, I, I have surveys and things on why did you take this course? And the number one answer is always my boss made me, right? So like, I think there are plenty of, of salespeople out there who are curious and interested in self-improvement and uh, they're reading books and they're listening to podcasts and they're, but they are not, they are not taking my courses unless their boss made them, um, which is an interesting thing. Uh, so uh, that's kind of one thought. The other thought is when I ask salespeople, how can I improve this content? The number one request is always make it shorter, right? It was too long. It was good, but it's long. Make it shorter. Um, and so what salespeople want is something that's 30 seconds long and is going to make them a top performer. Um, and that's a really hard constraint system to work in, you know? Um, so can, I get, can I give you a thought on, on, on a couple of things you just said? Sure, yeah. Because I think you're misreading the data. Hmm. I would love to find that out. Because um, I do one hour webinars. I do one hour. Uh, Jess and Hannah can speak to this if they get brave enough to actually say something um, <laughs> while, while, while we're talking. Jess is our director of operations. Hannah is our producer and marketing manager. Um, number one concern people have when I'm going to talk to their sales team is I don't do 30 second bits. Right? Right. Right. Because that's saw pointless. Me. That is, right. that is and, legitimately not going to accomplish anything. What, what did you say after I was done with my first soliloquy? I think I pronounced that correctly. Said, There's a lot of words. <laughs> there are a lot of words, right? That's me, right? There's a lot of words, right? You got to get through a lot of words, right? Um, the number one thing that, 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 that every executive, every sales manager says when I'm done is, holy cow, I've never seen my sales team sit in one place for that long. Right. right? And so I don't think when, when they say it was too long, it's not that it was too long. It's that it wasn't relevant. It didn't, it didn't connect to them. Yeah. And actually, a side note on that for anyone out there who's trying to work with salespeople in any regard, I, I tell this to to marketers a lot. Like I have I, I things I want to work with my sales team on and they always tell me to buzz off. Like if somebody says, I don't have time for you, that means they don't see the value in what you're saying and you're not making it relevant to the problems they're trying to solve. And it might, you might have the answer they're looking for, but you're positioning it all wrong. And, and so, and I want you, I want you to continue on how you teach that. And I think it's going to connect to where you change, but I, th so we're, I'm working on a webinar that we're going to, it's going to come out in the next month or two, probably, um, which is why good sales teams fail. Mm. Um, well, I really want to call it why, why your sales team sucks, but it's not their fault. <laughs> um, I think salespeople are far too often put in a place where they're taught how to do something and then immediately put in an environment where that's not how they're allowed to operate. Mm. We, we act like so we, we make, we make a couple mistakes with salespeople we talked about self-image in, in one place. The, the next thing we say is salespeople are very entrepreneurial. Salespeople are very risk tolerant. Salespeople are not risk tolerant. <laughs> um, salespeople do not like to change things. Salespeople are not by and large, super duper dynamic. Salespeople are technicians at sales. They have their way of doing things. Um, so, so, so change becomes very hard. They speak a language of entrepreneurial. They speak a language of change because they're always talking to them about change. Yeah. Um, and, and, and part of the reason is they are constantly put in a place where they're not given the resources to be successful. And then they're yelled at when they're not successful. They're told, take, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. <laughs> and then they say, Why'd you send a proposal to that guy? Right. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, something. So, I, oh, go on, please. It just, it just random thought. Uh, just sprinkling in some non sequiturs here. Have you ever seen Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid? We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Absolutely. <laughs> so the, 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 the image of that movie that has always stuck with me that I think about so much when I find myself in situations like you're describing where like, I feel like there's something I want to do and I know how to do it, but like the people telling me to do it aren't letting me do it the way it needs to be done. The, uh, when the one guy says to, to Sundance, uh, you're Sundance, you're a really good shot. Like show me how good of a shot you are. Like just put your arm out there and, and fire. And Sundance takes a shot and misses, right? He's like, you're not the Sundance kid. Like, can I move? Like, what? Can I move? And, and that's not how Sundance shoots, right? He like moves around and then, and then he nails all the shots, right? And I think so often we have this idea of like, in, in, whether it's in sales or any other profession, like for me as a content creator, I feel like this happens all the time. Hey, you create content, create content in this way that does this thing. And like, no, can I move? Can I do this my way? Can you give me a little bit of leeway here so I can, I, I can do it in my own quirky way that actually works really well, as opposed to your preconceived notion of how this ought to be done. Um, anyway, close parenthesis. You can go back to what you were saying. That's well, just the image I got as you were talking about this. Well, that, that, you know, and, 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 and we'll circle back to that in, in, in a minute um, or in a, in a little bit. But, you know, think about how, how, do most companies set their, how do most companies set their targets? They say, we did X amount of business this year. We want to do Y amount of business next year. Right. Right. Then they break up their quotas right? Do how many companies stop and say, do we have presence in the market to, to meet that number? Do we have lead volume to meet that number? Do we have a volume of, of engaged leads to meet that number? No, we don't. <laughs> right. Be, because we're trying to, well, most, most do not. <laughs> the, the, the vast majority, 90, 98% of them. do not. Okay. I'm good with 98%. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be in the Hall of Fame if I'm right 98% of the time, Mike. What are you talking about? Um, and, and so, you know, we talk about, you got to solve for the customer. We talk about- can, can, can we, can, look, let's, because I, I, I don't want to go on a different tangent because I want to I, I, I okay. get this from Kyle real quick. So, because Kyle, you, you, you made something, <laughs> Kyle, you, you made a comment that I thought was, uh, I don't know, maybe like some self-introspection of like, Hey, how do I get people, you know, why did you take this course? And um, obviously you have to deal with some feelings of rejection of maybe I'm creating these courses. They're not relevant. People aren't, you know, listening to the whole thing. And it's because have, my boss told me have to Have you it. not seen people line up at inbound when they see Kyle walking down the street? What are yeah, you talking about? So no, 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 no. But what, what I'm going after here is it would, I don't, I don't even know how you get this data, but if you could find out the people that are taking the course and who are either motivated or very successful in sales, that would be your answer. Because I, I guarantee you probably 90% of the people that say, why did you take this course? Well, because my boss told me to, are the reps that are just most likely not going to be successful in their mm, career. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know how you get to, I don't know how you get to that data without having I don't know. Maybe they're a very large HubSpot customer. Maybe the See, VP of sales will tell you who was successful, who wasn't. <laughs> hey, was this person, this person take, how did this person answer? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you take the, the, you know, questionnaire and you hand it to a VP of sales for a sales team that of 50 people and say, here's how 40%, here's how 40 people answer the question, which was you told me to take this. Well, that's fine. Let me finish my, my comment. Okay. 
here's the reason why 40 uh, or here's the 40 people that took the uh, took the course, took the exam. 35 of them said the reason why they took it was because my boss told me to. And the five, I want to know where the five reside. So here's why I think. Top, are they in your top quartile or are they in your bottom? Here, here, here's what I think, Mike. I think that, um, I think it's because it's called training. And I think it's because yeah. there's a certification course at the end and I'm not going to have to take a test and I'm going to pass and fail. And um, so I, I, I do a podcast called the Sales Genius Interview Podcast. We interview salespeople all the time. And one of the questions I ask is, how did you end up in sales? And, and the reason I ask that question is, there was research done like many, many, many years ago that, that, you know, they surveyed college students and they say, what do you want to do when you graduate college? And somewhere around 1% of people in college said they want to go into sales. Yet, depending upon how you define sales, somewhere between like, you know, 16 to 25% of the workforce is in a sales job, depending upon how you, on, on how you define it. Bottom line is the conclusion is, no one intends to go into sales. Right. A lot of people end up there. And, and one of the reasons they end up there is, is precisely the challenge that we deal with is like, I ended up in sales probably because I couldn't sit still in class and I didn't want to do the course the way that you told me to do it. And, and I didn't test well. And, and I got told that I wasn't very smart and I got, you know, all those things. But then, man, when I could go out there and have a conversation with somebody, I could make something happen. I could make something happen. It was like, hey, wait, maybe I'm not, you know, I'd be curious to see what the impact would be. Because you said it, Kyle, they don't want to do sales training. They buy the books, they buy the tapes, they listen to podcasts, right? Um, yeah. Right. I'd be curious if you took your, like, it would be an interesting HubSpot Academy experiment. What if you turn some of your courses into podcasts? What if you did a podcast, a, a, the inbound sales world of Kyle and, and you made it, <laughs> you made it podcasty and, and then you head faked them into the, um, into the teaching point of view. Like your, 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 um, your lessons, we're going to talk about this later, but you have time. You take the most boring stuff and you make it interesting. You take stuff that I'm like, Oh, what is it? And I'm like, oh, hey, that's like, you know, and, and, and you, you learn by accident, right? I mean, you do, you do an amazing job of that. The fact that you didn't intend to get into a teaching place is, is you know, blows me away. Um, but I'd be curious if you turned it to be more entertainment as opposed to training. I, I think that's where the, I think, I think that's the component. So actually, uh, we've run that experiment on a couple of courses, not, not like the inbound sales cert. Uh, we did it with the, the sales enablement cert that, that you were in. Uh, and uh, the thing we found is it's really hard to, to tie that back to any sort of meaningful metrics, right? Like we can tell how many people listen, but we can't tell who they are. We can't tell like if they're then more successful inside of HubSpot or if they behave any differently afterward. We can't get any feedback on whether they liked it or not or what they learned. Um, and so proceeding with that has been very difficult. Um, okay. But there is an idea there and I, I, it's something we're going to continue exploring. So uh, you, you were saying how your, 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 your approach is going to be changing over the next couple of years. Why don't you finish that thought and I'll try to listen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I am, I, I feel pretty good about the, the sort of baseline level of content I have for sales reps. Um, I am turning my focus now more to other roles inside of 
a sales organization. Uh, the the uh, you know, I, sales ops is top of my mind right now. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I that that's what you'll be seeing for me in in 2020. But just in general, like uh, as you move up that sales org chart, and and I mean to be more relevant to HubSpot, who employs me. Uh, the people who are making decisions about whether or not to buy HubSpot for their, their sales team to run off of, um, what content are they interested in? What do they need uh, is an interesting, interesting question that I'm just beginning to explore. So, so, you know, I think as you change sales ops, or actually I'm calling it more and more rev ops, as you change rev ops, you change, you change sales behavior. It's just automatic. Um, I'm seeing something that's really interesting. It's actually gonna be a focus for us this year. Uh, Mike, you might laugh. You and I haven't talked about this. This is relatively new. I'm seeing a growing realization that the, that the real <coughs> leverage point in sales organizations today is the sales manager. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if, if you don't change the sales manager, you don't change the salesperson. Right, and, and I think that's been the death of many sales methodology rollouts, many CRM implementations. If the managers aren't on board, uh, then there's absolutely no reason to expect the sales reps to change anything. Right. What, because to me, if we want to change how salespeople sell, we've got we've to change three key places. We've got to change what happens at the end of the month, what gets said at the end of the month. I might add a fourth place. What, what gets said <laughs> at the end of the month. Um, what happens when I lose a sale? What happens when I upset a customer or a prospect, right? Because we say, you've got to have command. You got to be strong. You got to be a challenger. And so um, you got to be comfortable with people being uncomfortable, <laughs> right? And, and so someone says, well, how do I learn how to do that? And I say, well, you learn how to do that the right way by overshooting a little bit, right? I'm very comfortable making people uncomfortable. We know that. And sometimes <laughs> I go too far. Right. And, and I learned from that and I would not be able to survive if the people behind me were like, Doug, you can't do that. Right. There, there's, there's yeah. the famous, you know, what made Southwest such an amazing airline. Here's what made it, whether it's true or not, it's the urban legend. Some fortune 500 executives flying on Southwest airlines. And as the Southwest flight attendants do, they humored up a little bit of the safety announcement and they said something along the lines of, in the case of a water landing, we'll be by with towels and drinks, <laughs> right? And some Fortune 500 executive thought that that was not a place where humor belonged and sent a letter saying, I'm no prude by any such imagination, but there are times that you have to be serious and there are times that you're not. And at the safety announcements, that's the point you should be serious. And this was inappropriate and blah, 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 blah. And this Fortune 500 executive sent the letter directly to Herb Kelleher. And Herb Kelleher's response was, we'll miss you. <laughs> now, now, you want to know why Southwest flight attendants can smile and be funny when American flight attendants can't when they're the same situation? <laughs> no, because Southwest knows that Herb Kelleher and the legend of Herb Kelleher says that they'll have my back. That, which, by the way, gets to the fourth point. What happens when the executives are asking a question and the salesperson's not present? You want me to adopt all of these behaviors that you're talking about. Here's what I want to know. When your butt's getting called to the carpet by somebody above you, do you roll me under the bus or do you defend me? 
and and I will not change anything. I will I will nod. I will smile. I will do all that. But if if those four things don't change, if if I don't if I don't feel safety in those four things, then then we're we have a lot of words. Yeah. So how do we change sales management? Well, and that's that's a that's a fair question, and that's why I'm starting to move upstream. It's, it's something uh, upstream, up, up the org chart, whatever you want to call it. Because um, the thing I've noticed is if I can reach one salesperson in that classic boiler room floor and get them all inspired about buyer centric, you know, customer thinking, blah blah blah, all the inbound flywheel stuff I teach that poor sales rep is powerless to change a thing, right? He, if he or she runs rogue with these ideas they got from Kyle Jepson, they just get squashed, right? Or kicked out. They don't, they don't have power to change the organization or the sales process or the approach or anything else, unless they're in a truly remarkable sort of <laughs> situation where they're given that freedom, which, which is not the place where it's needed most. Um, and so I really think it is all about reaching the managers and the people above them. Um, and, and helping them understand the, the business impact, right? Zooming out and understanding that this isn't just us saying, this is the moral thing to do, or this is the nice thing to do, or, or, or isn't this, doesn't this make you feel good to think about? Sort of like there, there has to be real business implications here and they have to be worth the effort of change, which is massive. Uh, even if you have a small sales team, that effort is, is going to take a lot. And so um, that is, that is kind of my research question for 2020. How do I reach these people and who exactly do I need to reach? Um, uh, be, it'll be interesting. I, I think it'll require me and HubSpot Academy to do things very differently than we've done before. I don't imagine there are a whole lot of VP of sales who are going to settle into their chair and, and watch a four-hour online course uh, for really any reason. <laughs> um, and so figuring out how we reach them, how they want to learn, what they want to learn, what their questions are is... Uh, so no, but I mean, I was just going to add to kind of what you were saying, Doug, is I, those four principles, whatever you want to call them, that, that, that you just went over. I mean, those, that's exactly what the best leaders I have ever experienced. That's what they, that's how they acted day in and day out. So, it, and, and, and not only that, it was in the DNA of the company, like, and that DNA was built by ultimately you know, started at the founders um, of, of the organization. So it's not only just how do I get to the VP of sales? How do I also potentially change the mindset, mindset of the CEO? It's, I, I, it's a hard job, Kyle. Like, I, I don't know how you do it. Um, now, hopefully what really starts to happen is as you build out this course material and the lonely sales rep that is 23 years old, straight out of college, he he listens to you. He really likes it. He adopts some of it, but he knows in the back of his mind that he should be doing more of it. And he's very successful and he has the DNA of potentially being a good leader because quite frankly, a lot of salespeople do not make good leaders. Um, and then he moves into leadership. Then he has, he's in a position to fundamentally change that. So it's kind of like that bottom up approach um, yeah, so to, on, to, to that, changing an organization. In that regard, I'm going to jump in before Doug can. Um, uh, HubSpot Academy, we, we've developed this education partner program, and we are getting our academy courses taught in colleges and universities all around the world, and we're growing that pretty substantially. And so that's 
that's really where I see my current courses that exist doing a lot of good, right? Because then that 23-year-old sales rep coming out of college has an idea about what sales is, what it means, how it should be done, that there's a right way and a wrong way. There's an old way and a new way. And then when he or she gets hired onto a sales team and realizes how things are going, um, that at least their default sense is, is what we would teach. But I, so I think we, we're sort of figuring out that bottom-up approach. This is the top down that I'm really worried about because that, that trickles all the way down, right? You, you put a different, like, like true, absolutely true story from a previous company I worked at. I'll, I'll keep anonymous here. Um, the, it, was, it was sort of a, a younger company kind of leaving that startup, moving into the scale-up phase. And we had company meetings on whatever cadence monthly or, or quarterly. Um, and the CEO would always close us out with some motivational speech at first. But in my, the second half of my time there, he changed. Instead of having a motivational speech, he said, I'm going to choose someone at random, and you get to tell me how you made me money this last period. And he would pick someone out of the audience and say, how did you make me money? And they would have to stand up in front of the whole company and say how they made him money. Um, and that's going to trickle down. That's going to that's gonna affect every aspect of a company, right? Um, Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think that's good or bad? Uh, the fact that it trickles down or that particular No, technique. the fact that the question that he said, how did you make me money? I, I, I am opposed to it. I did not Because like I would have stood up and said, fuck you. That's yes. what I, when yeah. he called on me, like, I would have stood up. I would have said, fuck you. <laughs> I would have gotten fired and then I would have gone somewhere else. Yeah, no, that, that was like the beginning of the end for me at that company. Like as soon as that became the tenor of these meetings, like that's not what this is about. Like the mission of this company cannot be making the CEO money. Like that's just, that's not going to work. Um, okay. So hold on, Doug, I want to add one more thing here because Kyle, you, that's awesome that you guys are focusing a lot of energy and effort into that, um, you know, colleges, universities, quite frankly, it would be great if the high school started teaching some yeah. of this type of stuff, but I'll give you one example and this will date me a little bit. Um, one example of one of the best programs that fundamentally changed the media and entertainment landscape. So Apple, do, do you remember, do you remember Final Cut Pro? I mean, it still exists, but it's a video editing platform yeah. that Apple created. Yeah. The enterprise market, pretty much every market in the media and entertainment space was owned by a company called Avid. Apple knew that they could not break into those enterprise accounts. They've been trying, 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 trying. So instead what they did was they said, Let's go give all the colleges and universities free Final Cut Pro software, right. free hardware or high, heavily discounted hardware. And then the next thing you know, the whole next generation of editors and all of that went into the workforce. And I was actually there to experience this because I was Discovery Communications, one of the largest media companies in the world. I did a ton of work with them. And all of their executives were like, all this Final Cut Pro shit, no, we hire new people, they don't know how to, they can't even work on Avid. So now we're deploying all Final Cut Pro. And the next thing you know, five years later, Avid was completely out of their shop. It was right, like 100% yeah, yeah. Final Cut Pro shop. So just, you know, a story of where that can actually, that it, it's, a, you gotta be patient, but. Right, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long play, but uh, we, we hope to make that same thing happen. Go ahead. So, um, so, I, I think it's more foundational than that um, because that CEO, as an example, would not go into any other department that he has 
He would not go to the HR department and say, okay, great meeting everybody. Now everyone go around and tell me how you made money. The, those four things that I talked about in sales, the, the equivalent to any other department, that is a standard given in, in personnel management. I'm not saying every company lives it, but, but no one argues it. Like there's no one who says that there's no more argument that people need to have ownership over their role. There's no more argument that says you, you, you can't create an environment where someone can't make a mistake. Those are all standard in every other aspect. And Mike, what I would say is even in the, even in the best, best places to work, you walk to the sales side and, and it's still, um, that's the second month you didn't meet your number. You know, I don't care that three months ago you blew your number out. That's oh, the second absolutely. month you didn't meet your number. Yeah. And, and, and they have the most refined um, personnel management, individual empowerment, value the the individual and 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 we go back and we we treat along those lines and you know i i think there there's a couple things that have to change i think we have to change the stories that we tell i i think so i'll give you one thing i'd like to see on on hubspot academy for sales all right i'd like to see it on hubspot academy all across the round if you watch hubspot academy everything on hubspot academy is how you do it perfectly it's like social media, man. Everybody's got, everyone's on vacation, having a great time. Um, everybody that you're interviewing, including me, is telling you how we figured out this and, and it's been magical. Here's what I want to know. Where is it messed up? Where are you struggling? <laughs> Where's the problem? What is the reality? Because we're creating this, first off, we're creating this vision that, that sales done right is this seamless predictable process so we get so we get this vision of like i talk about manufacturing revenue but i say manufacturing revenue is not like manufacturing a shirt right <laughs> right it, it, it's a very different and you know it, it's far more like hitting a baseball um and and we don't talk enough about the the about where the struggle is about where the problems are um, like I would love to hear, uh, and I don't mean to call HubSpot out, but you work for HubSpot. Um, I'd love to hear, um, you know, HubSpot, HubSpot put, puts forth a, a vision of the world that I think is awesome. And I know firsthand how damn hard HubSpot is working to get there. And I know places where they're really close and I know places where they're really far. Um, and I'm okay with that. What I'd love to hear is, where are you struggling, right? Because A, I'll, all of a sudden, the fact that this is hard, I might not feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Right? And, and so the CEO who, who is being unreasonable, they're, they're, you know, I'm, I'm not okay, so you're not okay, right? Sales is always the group that you can yell at, whether you're the customer, you're having a bad day, you can't, <laughs> right? And, you know, it, 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 it's the downhill point. And so the CEO can say, look, I just saw X and, and this is, you know, this is where, where it works. I, I don't think there's there, where are the role models that, that, that let the person who's dealing with the struggle to explain, yeah, well, this is the real story of how they got there or, or, you know, et cetera. So I, I, I think showing the dark side of, I think we run away from that instead of embracing that and, and letting us learn. From well, yes. so you know what, and, and to Kyle, to your, that's awesome commentary, Doug, and I totally 100% uh, agree with you. 
I think Kyle already did some of that at the beginning of the, towards the beginning of the conversation. He, oh, Kyle, he, no. he, he, he let his guard down and said, look, I mean, it's an area that we've tried and this, this is, you know, and, and we've struggled with it. And so, you know, hats that's off why salespeople listen to podcasts right. and don't do training. Right. Yeah. Right. See, so you know how I earn the respect of, of salespeople when, when they sit for a 90 minute session is, is I demonstrate that I understand that like, no, the, it, it, it doesn't work this cleanly. And, and, and here's where this is. And so like they, they quickly learn. And I think you do an excellent job of this in general. Right. And, and, and on, a, on this podcast, you came right out and, and, and you're like, yeah, here's where, you know, I tried this and you know, it, it didn't work. And, um, but, but that's why they listen to podcasts because it's more real. Yeah. So, um, just, you know, just, no, 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 just, just, uh, so, uh, if, as long as everybody listening promises not to hold me to this, um, I mentioned I'm, I'm addressing sales ops this year and I'm trying really hard to figure out the right way to do it. It, it defies, um, it's, it's a, it's a topic that defies this, uh, sort of idealistic approach, right? Because there is no single best way to approach any of the disciplines that sales ops people tend to approach. Um, so my current thinking, and if anybody out there is interested in participating, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn, um, is that I, as I talk about different disciplines that often fall to, to sales ops, which is a wide swath of disciplines, but whatever they are, if I could lay out what the, what the ideal is, give that vision of like, here's what we'd like to be, but here's a real life story of a person down in the trenches of how they solved whatever this problem is. And like, let's just talk through it. And let's talk about what worked. Let's talk about what didn't work. And what you arrived at um, is probably not that ideal, will maybe never be that ideal, but why is it okay for now and how are you going to improve it over time? I think these sort of, instead of what I've done previously with interviews where it's like a couple sentences from this person, a couple sentences from this person, I'd love to just sit down one person who has done this recently or is doing it right now and say, talk to me about what this is like and, and how can these principles we're talking about come into play and which ones as good as they sound, as great as their promise are, are just totally unworkable for you. Um, Fire, fireside chat with Kyle. Yeah, hundred um, percent for every. By the way, related topic. You said something really, really interesting that I um, that will connect to to the sales ops and, and other things like that. I'm trying to find the right way, and I'm trying. There is no right way. Here, here's, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm on a little bit of a of, of a Don Quixote journey. We keep. We, <laughs> I'll be we your treat, Sancho. It's fine. We treat sales like it's complicated. We treat customer acquisition like it's complicated. It's not complicated, it's complex. Mm. They're not the same thing. Complicated, there is a solution to it. It's difficult, it's got lots of pieces. There might be moving parts. But at the end, there's a right and there's a wrong. Complex, there is no solution. Like, they're, like solve poverty. There's no solution. <laughs> there's, there's trade-offs, right? right? And, and, and by the way, and, and, and you're always going over here and you shoot too far and then you got to go over here and you shoot too far and you go over here because even when you quote unquote solve something in the solving of that, you, you change the environment that something else happened. That's not good. Right. So like, remember when HubSpot was like really small and, 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 and people said things like, well, when we're a hundred million dollars, then we'll know then we'll have it <laughs> together when we're, $400 million, when we're a billion dollars and every branch up you get, you just got bigger problems. I, I was facilitating this session and they did a SWOT analysis and they're like, oh my God, yeah, there's clearly a lot to do. We've obviously got a long way to go because look at all the stuff that's on the board. And I said, guys, I got some bad news for you. When you get to where you want to go, 
there's going to be more stuff on the board and the stuff <laughs> on the board is going to be 10 times harder than this stuff. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and so we keep going out in the world talking deterministically. This is going back like a couple of years to, to black line. Customer acquisition growth is a probabilistic discipline. It's not a deterministic discipline. There's no zero or one. There's no black or white. Sales is, customer acquisition is about thinking in, in the gray. It's where do we want to be on that scale? Real, and, and by the way, wherever we get, everything around us is changing so much that even when we get to the point that we thought we wanted to be, the situation that caused us to want to be there will have changed so dramatically that that will no longer be the point to be. And, and so, and then people think, well, I'm doing it wrong. And it's, it's like baseball. If, <laughs> you, if you get a hit three times out of 10, you're in the hall of fame. Well, yeah, you know, so I think that's another part. Um, I know we're running out of time. I want to hit two things with you. I want to challenge you on one thing. You said, v I know VP of sales will not sit and watch a four hour video, no matter what the four hour video is about. I think that's Let a little me, more extreme than my wording was, but yes, essentially. <laughs> because, because here's my, because that's certainly a reputation that's out there about it. Because then I asked the question, why do they go to one week um, executive retreats at MIT, at Harvard, at different places like that, where, where they sit in a classroom for like 10 hours, the thing that they hate probably the <laughs> most, they, they, they will sit, those programs are growing um, even more. So I, I think that, I think they won't sit there for halfway. Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> so when you go, when you go to, when, when you go to Sloan school um, for the executive program on performance management, sure. You are in a deep, deep, deep dive. There's, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's yeah. No so I question about there's, it's like, so yeah. All I, like all out. Yeah. And I agree that they won't sit for halfway. I think also, Two things, two puzzles I'd really like to solve, and maybe these aren't the only ones, but they're what come to my mind right now, uh, that those sorts of programs can offer that I can't currently. One is uh, a network, right? Like you go, you meet people, those are connections you have. Um, and the other is like real-time one-on-one conversation, right? Whether that's with the fellow classmates that you meet or from the instructor or, or whoever, um, you know it's not just gonna be like, here's a broadcast of information you have to figure out how to apply. There will be someone there who will be willing to talk through with you how it applies to you in your particular situation. Um, currently in my one-to-many format of pre-recorded videos, I can't do either of those things. Um, but these are problems that online learning in general are trying to, is, is trying to solve. Um, and I hope to, you to find some idea. ways to join you, that. You guys should test the Academy Symposium. What, what if you brought an academy element that, that wasn't online and you came up to Boston? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, just a thought. Um, here's the last thing, because this is like the Kyle secret sauce. And I think that there's something <laughs> that I know, you, I know you hate it when I do this, but um, I, I think your answer is actually going to be really instructive. Um, I, I will be totally transparent with you. I remember when you first, I remember our first conversation, it was about sales enablement. And the thing that rang off of you was researcher. And, and it was funny because when we were offline, you said you think of yourself more as a researcher. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, I have no idea how this is actually going to play. Um, and I even had a feeling a little bit of my very first impression of you. Like if I had a hundred people that I had talked to and I said, which is the one that I would not pick to 
do what you do, in, in, in some ways it would be you because <laughs> right? you don't fit that. Like you're not, you, you sold for six months. So you understand that, but you're not, you know, you didn't carry a bag. You, yeah. there, there are all these different elements about it and you make like, I've never seen you do anything that, that you don't make interesting and intriguing to, to just about anybody. How do you do that? Uh, well, my secret sauce is ignorance. <laughs> I, I consider my, my greatest asp uh, or asset the fact that I don't know anything about this stuff. I don't have preconceived notions. Um, I, don't, I don't have enough information to have biases I'm trying to prove, right? Um, when I sat down with you for that interview, uh, I didn't even know I was making a course about sales enabling. I just had some sense that HubSpot Academy talks a lot about marketing and was starting to talk about sales, but was sort of ignoring the middle ground of how the two work together. And I just wanted to know, what is that like? Is it, is it a, a divide that can be bridged? Uh, if so, how? <laughs> and uh, I just asked questions. And, uh, and uh, it turned into a, a that still, that, that course, the sales enablement certification course is the, the largest research project I've ever done. Um, I had about uh, 40 hours of interview content um, and that I printed out and put on my desk. It was almost a full ream of paper. And I just highlighted themes and physically cut it up with scissors and put it in piles and, and in manila file folders and, and looked for the patterns and, and let, let that information tell me what was there. There wasn't an answer I was trying to, there wasn't a story I was trying to tell and I was looking for supporting evidence. Um, there was just this mystery that I wanted to solve. And uh, I find that I, I do my best work when, I'm, when I don't bring any ex expertise with me. And I think so many instructors base their instruction on expertise and the problem is expertise expires or is only relevant in a certain context and, and so, runs into so how do you So how do you do that seven minute video about how to do something totally meaningless um, in HubSpot CRM and you, how do you make that interesting? Cause you're like, like, like I'm watching it going, this must be like the most, like I'm excited about it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm excited about it, but I am. How do you do? Because that wasn't that's not a research project. How do you? Bring yeah, okay, so yeah, so so changing gears here. Uh, about a year ago, this time I launched uh, a new version of the the HubSpot Sales Software Certification Course, which is a walkthrough of HubSpot's sales tools. And the reason I, that was that's V three of that thing. I did V one. I did V two. This is V three. I'm I am so sick <laughs> of the HubSpot Sales Software Certification Course. I can't even think about it. I hate it so much. Um, and that's the thing people love me for that course you mentioned people coming up to me at inbound is because they took that course and they love it so much. And this, this third version of it is, is by far the, the best of any of the versions because I, I was V2 had gone out of date. It needed to be totally rebooted. And I was faced with building from scratch this same old thing for the third time. And it literally like made me nauseous to think about like, this is my job. I am still doing this thing. Like I want to go off to things I'm ignorant about, right? And research them. This is something I know like the back of my hand. And if I have to do it one more time, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll, I'll keep it together. Um, and so like, I spent a lot of time in conference rooms just staring at blank whiteboards. And I like had to ask myself, what, what is fun about this? What is interesting? What haven't I explored? Um, what, what would make this a challenge for me? And so um, previous versions were uh, just, the, just the free tools. Um, I, I wanted to make sure this is relevant to everyone, right? I don't want to 
alienator free users by diving deep into, but what I learned is like, then I alienate our paying users because I don't talk about the stuff they're paying for. And so I, I set myself a goal. I'm going to talk about every single tool HubSpot offers that a sales rep might reasonably be expected to use in their daily flow. Every single one of them, um, which was roughly four times as many tools as I talked about initially. And I'm not going to extend the, the, the time of the course at all, right? Can I quadruple the content without um, moving that timestamp at all? Um, and that became a really interesting puzzle for me. Is this possible? Is this possible? And it forced me to completely change the way I presented the information. Um, and, uh, and then it beca I, I became so excited about just the density of content I was able to fit in without it feeling like reading a, a dictionary, right? Um, and, uh, and I had no idea if it was going to work. Uh, HubSpot Academy had never done content like this before. Usually everything is very segmented, right? We talk about one tool at a time. I tell you what the tool is and why it's important and what the best practices are. And then we have a walkthrough. And then I start from scratch for the next tool. This one, I'm talking about all the tools at the same time, how they interrelate. I'm sitting at a desk. We're cutting between my face. We're cutting between the, the computer. And I, it, it, it was totally possible. It would be a, an abysmal failure, right? And that... That was exciting to me. <laughs> the possibility that this could just Lots blow of... up in flames um, made it worthwhile. Uh, now, if I ever have to do V4, I don't know. I don't know if I could do V4. Um, but luckily, V3 is very easy to keep up to date um, because it's all very short. The, the parts that show the product are all very short clips. So I can just update those individually, um, which makes it so hopefully that's a little more evergreen. But um, yeah, those are kind of my, my two approaches. Be ignorant if possible. Talk about stuff you don't know about. Um, and, uh, if that's not possible, figure out what's, what's fun, what's interesting. Uh, because if you're bored as a presenter, people will be bored watching you. Um, that's just the reality. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to recharacterize for, for people that are listening. It's, it's the be arrogant and be insatiably curious with, you know, and, and take away any, like, just go on a discovery. Like you, even when you know something, cause I've had the conversations with you, you're still on a discovery mission. You're, um, you're, you're insatiably curious. Um, you, you find what's the angle that I don't know where, where's the newness here. And no matter how old something is, there, there's, there's something new, but there's a third piece that I think that, that is also part of your magic. Um, it's actually the piece about you that, that I envy the most. Cause I wish I had it, um, a 10th to the level that you had it. Um, and, and that is that you have, um, just an amazing, sincere appreciation of your audience. Um, and, and that, that bleeds through in, in every piece of content I've ever seen you do is you can just, um, there's no judgment, there's not, and beyond no judgment, there's just a, just a sincere appreciation that's there that, that I think, um, I actually think that's where your real secret sauce is, so. I don't know how to respond to that, but thank you. <laughs> oh, shucks, Doug. I'm not, I'm, I, you see, see, Kyle's ready for me to come at him with something. Yeah. I really threw him off there by saying something nice. But yeah. uh, so, uh, Mike, anything you want to add here? As, uh, uh, as, I mean, just amazing. Like one of the best you know, guests ever. So, I mean, uh, I, I could talk, you know, Kyle, I could keep going with you for like another two hours. I, we wouldn't stop. We, but I we've done it before. It's <laughs> just not on a podcast. You'll get mad at me if, if I do that. So I, I just want to say thanks, man. I appreciate it. This was everything I was hoping. Um, there's a whole nother strand of things I'd love to talk about. We'll have you back on again if you're, if you're willing to do so. And um, yeah, you know, just keep rocking, keep putting out that content. The one thing I would, the one thing I would add too is, as, as Kyle mentioned, if you, uh, 
if you're listening to this and you're in sales ops or rev ops and uh, reach out to him on LinkedIn. Yeah, please do. Um, I am, I, there, here's a world I'm completely ignorant of and I'm trying to figure it out. And so um, if you know anything, <laughs> I am happy to it, listen to you. It, it's all right because the experts in that space don't know very much either about it. So we're all trying to figure it out. <laughs> Cool. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, everybody, this is the Black Line Podcast.